Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to episode 84 of the Liberty Cafe. I'm blessed to have you here with me today, listening in, and I'm also blessed that Texas Scorecard, the great group of men and women over there fighting for your liberty and my liberty and everybody's liberty, really, are sponsoring the the Liberty Cafe. So let's go ahead and get started today. I, I was just down at the Republican state convention here in Texas, down in Houston, last week and visiting with a lot of folks down there. Uh, I, I don't talk a lot about what I do here, but just started with uh, working with uh, Don Huffines. Uh, I helped on his campaign and then most recently was brought on board to be the policy director of the new Huffines Liberty Institute. Uh, Don's a great guy. I think he ran a great campaign and he wants to continue moving forward on some of the issues that uh, Texans cared about during his campaign. So he's setting up this organization. We're, we're a small little think tank, but I think there's a lot of power that we can harness uh, among uh, conservatives in Texas, so I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, the, the launch for that event was held at the uh, Republican convention down in, in Houston last week, so I was there for that, but also stopped by and visited a lot of folks. I saw the amazing um, setup for Texas Scorecard down there, and, and, and they were giving away, um, I think, a couple of guns out there, and they had this great wheel that one of the guys came up with there to, uh, to enhance your chances. It was, it was pretty great what they did. I saw the folks over at the Texan, uh, Connie Burton and her group, who do a great job of reporting on uh, conservative uh, issues and news around the state, uh, Jess Fields and his group, um, Kent Grusendorf was the um, it's a school choice group they had a great booth down there and um, so it, it was just fun to stop by and and see a lot of the conservative groups there in Texas but but it really reminded me of something uh, you know I saw Matt Rinaldi just briefly said hello to him and I'm so grateful to have um, as I as I've told him that that he's in charge of the Texas Republican Party now I know as the um, chairman of the party, he's not really in charge. It's 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 really the people. Well, it is at least under Matt Rinaldi. Sometimes that isn't always the case, where uh, the the people who run the party forget who's really in charge of the party, and that's the people. And I'm glad that Matt and his staff know that today, because that's something that's really missing, uh, and has been missing for some time in politics generally in the United States and in Texas, too. But it's also happening more and more, unfortunately, among Republican elected officials. And and that's kind of where I want to go today. I I want to talk about Texas Republicans and the collapse of liberty. It's it's a sad thing we've seen. I've been involved in Texas politics since 1989. And yeah, there have been some great things that have happened. One of the best things is how Texas has slowly pushed towards um, uh, banning abortion, outlawing abortion in Texas, and it looks like we're getting closer to that. Of course, just because the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade doesn't mean we're not going to have any more abortions in Texas. There's going to be all kinds of problems with that, particularly 
how you know the medical community and, and liberals and are joining together to make it possible for a woman to have an abortion at home with medication and breaking the laws and mailing it into states and those types of things. But nonetheless, Texas Republicans have done you know, a, a lot of good things over these last 30 years. But but one of the things that has really, I think, marred and hindered what some of those great things that, that have happened here in Texas is the continued movement uh, of Texas Republicans towards corporate cronyism, uh, corporate welfare, that this symbiotic relationship between big business and big government. And it's it's just been so unfortunate because there's been so many good things happening, but you, you have these members of the legislature who uh, have just bought into this whole um, economic development partnership with big businesses. And, and basically what happens is big business takes money from big government and through various schemes and mechanisms, whether it's economic de- uh, development programs run by the governor of the state of Texas, whether it's Chapter 312 and 313, property tax abatements uh, that uh, counties and cities and school districts give, uh, whether it is um, regulations that favor particular businesses or particular uh, businesses within particular industries. The Texas title insurance business uh, industry is one of those where the, the whole thing is rigged to to make Texans pay millions and millions of dollars more for title insurance than they do in other states because, well, mainly because the Texas title insurance business has, um, industry has great lobbyists and Republicans in the state just give in to them. It, it's pretty sad. Uh, but but I'm um, working on a paper now. Another thing I do is <clears throat> I work for the Energy Alliance. I'm also the policy director for that. So I've got a couple different hats going on. And I'm um, getting ready that we at the Texas Energy Alliance are getting ready to release uh, a paper on the decline and fall of reliability, affordability, and competition in ERCOT. And I'm not going to go over the whole paper, but I I think it really highlights the, the problem with this collusion, if you will, between uh, big government and big business in Texas, and, and how Republicans have just played a big role in that. So let me just go back uh, to the beginnings of this. Well, let me first start but by talking about how this this is so evident in how this corporate cronyism has just brought down the Texas electricity market and the reliability and affordability of the Texas electric grid. I mean, everybody listening here knows about the the great Texas blackouts of 2021, where we had this, I mean, admittedly historic storm, nothing that any of us have ever seen in our lifetime in Texas. A hundred-year-plus storm, the last time temperatures dropped to the um, level that we saw in Texas like this were uh, back in the 1800s, at least, at least that part of the year. But even throughout any part of the year, part of the winter, it's just nobody's ever seen anything like this before. So that certainly placed tremendous strain on the electricity grid. But 
what happened was that when the grid faced all these pressures, it didn't have enough generation on hand to withstand it and keep the lights on. Or, as sometimes happens in periods of great stress on an electric grid, the, um, the grid needs to go to a system of rolling blackouts where they just black out one service area for 30 minutes or so and then bring the lights back up there as they pull the lights off somewhere else. And that keeps the stress manageable on the grid. Nobody is majorly inconvenienced. 30 minutes without lights or heat, electricity is not a major deal, even in the midst of a, a big storm like we saw or in the midst of summer. We can survive and do fine without electricity for 30 minutes. But the problem was there wasn't enough electricity on the grid for them to manage the, the system in a way that they could control these blackouts. That's what these things are called, controlled outages, and they move them from one place to another. But there wasn't enough electricity on the grid to do that. And so when they shut down s certain service areas, they just stayed out for hours and hours, even a, a day or two in, in many places, which, of course, led in, other, in lots of places to being without water for probably more days than we were without electricity in a lot of places. And, and, and it all collapsed. We, we saw that. And then, again, we see it at the beginning of this year, right, um, the summer anyway. We, we do have some record heat going on right now for the month of uh, June. We just set a record for uh, demand, not just in June, but for any time here in the state of Texas or in ERCOT, which is the the grid in Texas that controls about 80% or covers about 80% of the state. Nonetheless, we've seen you know, from late May into late June, where we are now, we, we've seen this series of steps taken by ERCOT, which has never happened before in this concentrated type of uh, situation where week after week after week, they're issuing some kind of um, alert uh, to either the the industry or even to Texas consumers, saying we're, we're running short, need to conserve, watch out. And we even had uh, one period of time where I think six uh, generation plants tripped offline, one of whom the day before had been told not to go offline for maintenance as it had planned to do. And then all of a sudden, um, it trips off anyway because it obviously needed that maintenance. And so the, the grid is facing serious problems with reliability. Well, why has that happened? Well, my supposition is that we're, we're facing this problem in ERCOT. We're facing this problem with reliability on the Texas grid. We're also facing a problem with affordability in the grid. Electricity prices have skyrocketed uh, this summer and have been going up for several years, since really 2019. The price of electricity has gone up from less than 11 cents, 10-something cents on average uh, per kilowatt hour to uh, today it's up to about 17 cents if you're having to buy a new electricity plan, if you're in a um, part of the state where you can buy electricity plans on the open market, competitive pricing. Because, and the reason all that is going on, I suggest, is because Republicans 
can't keep their hands out of the Texas electricity market. They, they, they have politicized management of the Texas electricity market, and they have re-regulated the Texas electricity market. The, the electricity market that at one point in time was accurately labeled the most competitive and successful electricity market in the whole world. So how did that happen? Well, let me go back just a little bit and explain. So back in the 1990s, the entire United States had made this really tremendous shift towards believing in the concepts of competition as, as a better way of achieving really efficiency in the market, effectiveness in the market, and low prices in the market. And, and, and economists were largely unanimous. I mean, you'll never get unanimity in the field as diverse as economics. But, but nonetheless, the vast majority, even liberal and some left-wing economists, had all agreed that competition is a good thing. It brings efficiencies to the market, lowers prices, benefits consumers, and those kind of things. It was such the case that you had... Um, Ted, you know, and this uh, this really started back in the 1970s. You know, like Ted Kennedy and 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 Jimmy Carter in the 1970s helped push for the deregulation of trucking and um, airlines, right? And and what happened when they did that? The deregulation of prices. Prices fell. And here, that, here's the funny thing: prices were regulated in those markets uh, allegedly to keep them from going too high. But when they got rid of the price regulation, prices dropped. And then we saw a whole slew of other uh, competitive moves and moving up into the 1990s, which include banking and then the electricity market. All over the United States, uh, states attempted to bring competition to electricity markets. California tried it. Maryland tried it. Ohio tried it. New York tried it. A lot of states, uh, you know, upwards of 20 uh, states tried to do this. And, and they all had this basic understanding that the rate of return system where basically a generator comes in and said, hey, I want to build an electric, electric generation plant. And the, and the regulators say, okay, invest this much or we're going to give you a return of, of 9% on your investment. And they got that whether or not consumers really needed the electricity or not. Consumers had to pay for it. But they saw that there's no way to get cheap electricity out of cheap natural gas. And the whole country was moving more towards using natural gas for electricity generation back then. And so they moved towards competition to allow markets to more efficiently bring cheap electricity to consumers. Well, some things happened. One is that the price of natural gas went up, and, and, and not in small part because of the increased um, use of natural gas to, to generate electricity in the United States. And so part of what happened there was competition allowed prices to go where they needed to go, and, and they were going up because the inputs into the market were going up. And generators needed to charge more to stay in business, and consumers were willing to pay it. And so uh, so a state like Maryland, for instance, put in a pretty robust competitive system, but when it got to the end and prices were going to jump up 
like that, they, they balked and they backed out. New York, similar problem. California never really tried to put in competitive markets. They, they tried to design this government-regulated run system with some kind of faux competition going on in it, but it was a really poorly designed system because they didn't know what they were doing. And, and because it wasn't free market, it was market, you know, uh, market uh, design kind of thing to, to, to look like competition, but it wasn't really competition. So anyway, uh, a lot of them failed, but Texas didn't. Texas went all the way. And from 2000, uh, 1999, when they first put this into place, to 2007, when the, they finished transition, on and you know, for the next few years, things went really well. Prices went high for a while, but then as natural gas prices settled down and competition settled in, uh, the, the market really started working well. Well, the problem was is that some of the generators who came into the market in the you know, 2006, 7, 8 area, when prices were really high, they, they bet all their dollars on high natural gas prices and high electricity prices. Well, when all those prices started going down and consumers started benefiting, they didn't. And they had bet a lot of money on that, and some of them just went broke. Energy Future Holdings was the largest of those, and, and they went bankrupt. And Bill Gates, uh, one of his generation investments, went bankrupt here in Texas. So, so what happened was these generators who had been strong proponents of competition all of a sudden decided that competition really wasn't for them. Texas was the only place where they had to truly compete on price, and so they started looking for money from the Texas government. Texas regulators, Texas legislatures, and, and there were a lot of folks who tried to accommodate them. And, and this was really where the collapse of reliability and affordability in the Texas electricity market began. The Texas legislature, for instance, in 2007, tried to re-regulate the whole thing. And uh, there was a bill that, that was going through and would have just destroyed competition in the market. And it made it all the way through the Republican-controlled uh, legislature and would have been signed by the tech Republican governor at the time. But it was killed on a point of order by a very conservative member of the House who just you know didn't care what people thought about him, but he knew it was wrong. And he called a point of order, which is a technicality, but this bill had not followed all the procedures properly that needs to get a bill through the House, and so it was killed. Otherwise, the whole thing would have been re-regulated. Then regulators, in starting about 2011, 12, 13, started trying to abandon what we call in Texas the energy-only market, where consumers just pay for energy that they buy, and moving it towards a capacity market where consumers pay the generators for just existing, and then on top of that, pay for the electricity they buy, which is basically uh, w what the system had been before by a different name and where the system is moving today. And so Texas uh, Republicans have been in charge of all this. Interestingly, when all this got started, you know, the Texas House of Representatives was still Democratic, and, and they pushed for this com competition too uh, in the Texas electricity market. But when Republicans had charge of the whole thing, you know, House and Senate, and governor, and lieutenant governor, speaker, those kinds of things. 
uh, the Texas electricity market hasn't fared so well. And, and we saw this at the, uh, the uh, collapse of, of the grid in, in 2021 with the blackouts. The, the entire response of, of Governor Abbott, uh, largely Governor Patrick, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, although he's done a few good things, but and then Speaker um, of the uh, Texas House of um, Representatives, you know, they, they have all... Uh, just moved away from competition and into big government cronyism to make these companies rich at our expense. And and that's what's going on today. Uh, Peter Lake's the chairman of the um, Texas Public Utility Commission. He and the, the three other commissioners there with him are moving us towards some system. Well, it's unclear exactly where they're moving us in one sense uh, because none of them can really agree on what they want to do. But the momentum is moving us towards this um, some, time of co- some type of capacity market that will guarantee payments to the generators. For instance, uh, two of the generators, uh, NRG out of Houston and Exelon, who's I think their headquarters in Texas. I'm not sure where it is, but they're, they're big generators here in Texas. They put together a plan which would guarantee them, I think, uh, and other generators, additional capacity payments, if you will, of like $1.5 billion on top of the high prices we're already paying today. And, and they got this plan and put it together and got a, a um, company, a consulting company, E3, I think it's called, consultants, um, to to put together this plan and give it to the Texas um, Public Utility Commission. And then the Public Utility Commission goes out and and looks for bids to build a system. And who do they hire for this? Well, they haven't hired them yet. They But they've got two bids back in, one from E3 and another from Potomac Economics, who's you know, a consulting company too. And not perfect, but they at least have some knowledge of what competition takes over there. And then to evaluate these bids to redesign the electricity um, market in Texas, who does the PUC hire to evaluate them? E3, who already has a bid in to redesign. Talk about conflict of interest. And this E3 proposal seems to be the one that the Chairman Lake seems to favor, right? So there's all this cronyism, all this favoritism going on in the market. But the ones who lose in all this are, are Texas consumers. And we just keep paying higher prices as we see the collapse of free markets in the Texas electricity uh, market. So, so that's just one example of how we see this market collapsing in various places. As I mentioned at the beginning, there's, there's a number of places where Republicans in the state of Texas has just turned away from from competition, from free markets, and I'd suggest from liberty. Because if we can't use our own property to exchange goods and services the way we want without the government stepping in and either telling us how we're going to use our property or, or, or hiking prices or taking some of our property away and giving them to the same people who we don't want to give it to through the markets, but they get it anyway because 
the government intervenes and becomes the third party between here. That's not what I call liberty. And I don't think it's what the Bible calls liberty. I don't think it's what the proponents of free markets throughout history have called liberty. But unfortunately, it's kind of what Republicans in Texas are calling liberty or whatever they want to call it today. They, economic development, I think, is the big term. Or yeah, we, we've, we've got to establish reliability. But the problem is all these measures that to intervene in the market in the name of reliability over the last decade or so that Republicans have led, have led to less reliability. And I think we see that across any market where government gets involved, even when it's government led by Republicans. We don't have better markets, more efficient markets, more economic development. We have less of all those things. So thank you very much for being here and taking part and listening into episode 84 of the Liberty Cafe. And thanks again to our sponsor, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.